when you're in there slogging away at getting the output, getting the work product done, get it, whatever it is your, your business does, uh, when you're busy getting that stuff, the deliveries, deliverables done, uh, you may lose track or lose sight of the bigger picture and how this is moving toward your goals. If you want your business to grow, you have to spend time on the things that make your business grow, not just doing good work, because let's face it, there's always going to be somebody out there, if you're a wedding videographer, uh, somebody else out there who can shoot the wedding. And you could hire that person so you can focus on marketing your business or uh, improving your systems and processes so that things go faster and smoother and easier and expanding your team and, and those kinds of things. So work on the business at least as much as you do in the business and, and really remind yourself that you are um, that you're the business owner, not an employee of the business. Oh my gosh, doesn't that make so much sense? There's more from where that came from. Welcome to the Wedding Video Boss Podcast where we talk about the business of being a wedding creative. And on Mondays, I invite over heavy hitters from the wedding industry or business gurus to talk about how to run your business properly. And sometimes I kind of like ask them to incorporate it into the wedding videography business or wedding photography. So I really hope it helps you out. Guys, today we have Gordon Firemark on the show. And I cannot believe he said yes to me. And I feel so important now. And I feel so famous. And I feel so accomplished. So we're going to talk about the success strategies of top performers in creative businesses. What they do, how they do it, and when they apply what they know. I actually also asked him about what you do when you're not fully committed yet to the business because he's a lawyer, he's an entertainment lawyer, and we're going to talk about the law and we're going to talk about strategies that he's seen. So I hope you guys are ready. I hope you have time to listen today because this is just going to be business goldness for all of you. He's ready. He's here. This is our first video podcast, and I hope that you, if you actually want to see what we look like and how handsome we are, you should also go to the YouTube page of Wedding Video Boss. I'll put the links in the show notes. All right, I won't make you wait any longer. Let's get the show on the road. Gordon Firemark is a lawyer, educator, and entrepreneur. For 27 years practicing entertainment and media business law, he has helped creative business owners develop finance, produce, and distribute their projects, negotiating deals, managing intellectual property, and more generally serving in the role of trusted advisor, frequently referred to as the podcast lawyer, and is the author of the podcast, blog, and new media producer's legal survival guide, and is a podcaster himself, producing and hosting Entertainment Law Update now in its 11th year. He is the founder of the Digital Entrepreneur's Business and Legal Toolkit, a course and template bundle for owners of online businesses, and the Personal Effectiveness Formula, an achievement training and group coaching program for creative professionals who want to get out of their way and take their careers to higher levels. In the middle of all of this, he is also a family man and lives outside Los Angeles with his wife, three children, three cats, and a dog. Friends, please help me in welcoming Gordon Firemark. Hey, Gordon, thanks so much for being on the show. Hi, Paul. Thanks for having me. 
I really appreciate this because I've been subscribing to you. Just like what we talked about earlier, I've been subscribing to your email list for at least a year now, probably two. And uh, uh-huh. it's been it's been really helpful for me. It it really pushed me to just go uh, go ahead and do the podcast because it. You're one of my many victims. Okay, cool. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I don't know if it's a victim, but maybe yeah. So, so before we start, I would love you to tell the listeners and the viewers um, something about yourself that they probably wouldn't know. Well, one of them is that when I was little, I had red hair, big head of red curly hair. I'm, for those that are listening and not seeing, I am a shaved head bald guy now. Um, and it's interesting, a little funny story about that is I also, uh, I guess the real thing that people probably don't know is that I, as a kid, I played clarinet and saxophone reasonably well well not badly but not well let's put it that way and uh when i was growing up there was a book called gordon and the glockenspiel and it was about (laughs) about a kid who uh had this curly head of red hair and uh was trying to pick what musical instrument to play and there's a you know it's this hand children's book illustrated uh with pictures of this red-headed kid playing the clarinet and the saxophone and he ends up picking the glockenspiel but uh anyway so (laughs) that's my funny little story about my musical career hey that's cool you know i I don't know if if you've ever looked into this is probably going to be a weird a weird fact but i've always been interested in people with red hair and because they're saying that it's one of the rarest kinds of Yeah. yeah right so they're saying that it just came from this one island somewhere, and they're oh. probably like all related to each other or something. <laughs> I don't know if you've <laughs> looked into it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know if you've looked into it, but I feel like it's just so weird that it's, you know. Yeah, there, there's a high concentration of, of redheads in Scandinavia and, and Northeastern Europe and that kind of stuff, and that is where my family seems to come from. So, uh, Oh, yeah, see? It might be true, but probably yeah. not related to each other, but it's just one area. That's yeah. cool. And then when you when you got into uh, musical instruments, you know, whenever I talk to people and they say that they know how to play an instrument, it always intimidates me because I always feel that people that can do that are like really, really smart because I, I don't have the patience for that. My attention span is so <laughs> short. I can't. Yeah. <laughs> so, when, uh, yeah, no. I was never great at it, but um, you know, my dad actually played professionally before he went to medical school. And uh, see, uh, exactly <laughs> like that, right? And and so uh, it was in my blood a little bit. But yeah, that's amazing. It's, it's a thing. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I would love to know what your origin story is, like how you got into what you're doing now, and um, what are are you? Do you have anything upcoming in the future? Oh, lots of stuff. Uh, So as you already know, I'm a theater and entertainment and media lawyer, and I work with lots of folks in in those fields and and also um, online business and and folks that are running their, whatever their business is online and involving media and intellectual property and those kinds of things. And I I got involved and interested in in the theater actually as a very young child. Uh, At age five, I was in kindergarten at a K through 12 uh, uh, school in, in the Boston area. And they brought the kindergarten kids in to watch the dress rehearsal of the uh, high school production of Oliver. And uh, I sat down and the lights came on and the curtains opened up and I was hooked. I was sucked into that environment and uh, it never let go of me. So I went off to college and studied, uh, uh, started as a theater major, went into radio, TV and film. And, uh, and in, during that, I 
picked up a, I guess, an aptitude for the legal and regulatory stuff. So, um, so here I am doing entertainment, media, intellectual property law. Actually, had an experience in college where um, uh, a screenplay I had written was uh, uh, misused by uh, someone involved in the in the school who had access to it, and that got me interested in copyright law. And so, you know, there's the thread uh, going to law school, and and now as well as as practicing in this field, I also teach entertainment and media law. And uh, yeah, I have online courses for online business owners and so on. And uh, recently, I've gotten into um, helping people get out of their own way, coaching and, and training people on a, a system of personal effectiveness, uh, an achievement program essentially called Personal Effectiveness Formula. That uh, uh, really exciting. I've, got, I've helped a few people in the entertainment and media industries, and uh, one's a magician, a couple of producers, a couple of writers, that kind of folk, uh, all take their businesses to the next level. So to talk to me more about that personal effectiveness formula that you have, because it's, it's really like, uh, I'm really curious about that. Well, you know, what goes on with a lot of people, especially people in the artistic uh, area who are, you know, have that, that creative mind, the, I, don't, I never remember which is which left brain or right brain, but the ones with that brain that is the more artistic, they tend to, um, again, broad generalization, but they tend to focus on the art and, and exclude or, or neglect the business side of things. And also they tend to focus on the, you know, go for the shiny object, go for the thing that is going to bring me the gratification, whether it's an audience response or, you know, people saying, oh, that's neat or, you know, whatever it is about the work that they've done, the creative work. And let's face it, that's why you go into performance or production kinds of things is you, you know, you want to show off a little bit in, in your creativity. Uh, but, what happens is people tend to lose focus of the long range goal. And so my personal effectiveness formula program is really designed to help people figure out who they are and why they want what they want as those long-term goals, and then develop a system and a, and a way of staying on track, staying on point and focused with uh, uh, every action they take being aligned with their purpose, their mission, their values, and taking them another step toward the goal. And what happens is that when you stay focused and you don't get distracted and you don't, you know, uh, go in a thousand directions, you make progress pretty quickly and the momentum builds and each step gets bigger and bigger and bigger until you find yourself achieving your goals faster than we thought was possible. Yeah, I think when whenever we because with the, with people in the wedding industry we have uh we have seasons right so whenever yeah. it gets to the slow season and then it starts to pick back up the few times just like i'm pretty sure everyone else the, the, the few times you you get to you need to get into the groove you know to have that yeah. thing and you but it with with weddings you can't really experiment or try to like get into the groove while you're actually working because this is like a one-time thing we we can never say like, "Hey, do that again," or you know. So, I feel like having having that formula would probably help a lot of people to stay. I guess let yeah. me know what you think, but yeah, just just to stay no. motivated and in focus. Right. We talk a lot about getting into the zone, as, as I call it, or the groove that you're talking about, and and you know, performers especially have to think about this because you step out on stage, you don't have time time to warm up in front of that audience. <laughs> your your job is to get out there and be 110% the moment the light comes on or, or whatever in front of the camera or whatever. And I think the same is true for the creative person behind the camera or or who's whatever it is you're, you're doing. 
you don't want to warm up on the audience's time or on the customer's time. And so finding ways to set up triggers to get you into the mindset and into that zone quickly as you arrive at work, as you arrive at the, at the wedding venue or maybe even beforehand. And, you know, look, I'm an advocate of meditation and mindfulness and, and uh, uh, finding gratitude in everything we experience. And those are great techniques to, to help uh, just get yourself centered and grounded so that you can hit the, hit the ground running as soon as you arrive on location or whatever it is you're doing. You know, I have a confession to make because I, I, I love my clients to death, but yeah. whenever we get, um, whenever we get back to back weddings or yeah. just, it just, sometimes it just drains you and you forget mm -hmm. that, oh crap, they could see me that I'm like, so I always try to put on right. this, this, it's kind of like being in theater, you know, just yeah. putting on this persona and saying, hey, you, you kind of like have to exert a certain amount of effort just to <laughs> just to look like you're normal. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. We, one trick that I advocate in that scenario is when you find yourself getting into that space where you're sort of, you know, maybe maybe you're not not um, unexcited about the project, but you're, yeah, you're running out of steam. You've got an energy uh, drain, a little bit of, of, you know, give yourself five minutes, accept how you're feeling, say to yourself, yes, I'm feeling this and it's okay, but I'm bigger than this. I can do this. And then give yourself a couple of moments to just breathe and chill out and, and imagine energy just pouring into you through your pores or something like that. And then, you know, snap out of it and go back to work and, and do the next wedding or, or whatever it is. It, it's really interesting how you, your mind over matter, your body yeah. can, uh, uh, can snap back into the zone. And again, getting into the zone, um, when you're there, time goes by really fast. You, the, you're doing work that you care about and, and that energizes you and, uh, it, it's great. Yeah. You know, I've been doing this for 10 years and I, I gotta be honest, like it, a day before the shoot at night, I still get nervous and mm -hmm. I could barely sleep. And whenever I wake up in the morning, I, I I'm a bit, I'm a huge advocate of meditation and mindfulness. Yeah. So I, every morning when I wake up, I put my headphones on, play my meditation yoga music, mm -hmm. and then I go to the bathroom. <laughs> well, <laughs> but yeah, that's sure. <laughs> that's where I meditate, and uh, it it always helps me because it my. I guess my anxiety and my I've, I've always been like that before, but then um, like a few years ago, I started to get into it yeah. and I feel like it, it really has helped. So yeah, and, and that nervousness that you feel is a good sign. It means that you care about the work you're doing and you want to do your best. When you stop feeling nervous and you start just phoning it in, that's when it's time to reevaluate what you're doing. Actually, so actually, you're right, because there was a time where I was like, oh, I can do this tomorrow. It's okay. It's so easy. Although well, confidence is different yeah. from uh, cockiness or, or just apathy, you know? Okay, okay, okay. Oh, that's good. That's good to know. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, I want to ask you before we get into like the meat of what we're going to talk about. Mm -hmm. I want to ask you, um, what common mistakes do you see small businesses do when it comes to everything like organizing and marketing. Yeah. Well, I'm going to take it to the common mistake that I see small business owners doing small businesses. You know, let's face it they're They are their owners. The owners are them in most instances. The biggest mistake I see is owners working in the business more than on the business. And by that, I mean, when you're in there 
slogging away at getting the output, getting the work product done, get it, whatever it is you, your, your business does, uh, when you're busy getting that stuff, the deliveries, deliverables done, uh, you may lose track or lose sight of the bigger picture and how this is moving toward your goals. If you want your business to grow, you have to spend time on the things that make your business grow, not just doing good work, because let's face it, there's always going to be somebody out there, if you're a wedding videographer, uh, somebody else out there who can shoot the wedding. And you could hire that person so you can focus on marketing your business or uh, improving your systems and processes so that things go faster and smoother and easier and expanding your team and, and those kinds of things. So work on the business at least as much as you do in the business and, and really remind yourself that you are, um, that you're the business owner, not an employee of the business. And uh, not to be afraid, essentially, to staff the business so you can focus on the things that maximize value for you, your goal as the owner. Now, if you love getting out and shooting weddings, then great, go out and shoot weddings. But maybe you hire somebody to handle sales or to handle the back end stuff in the office so you can focus on whatever your sweet spot, your zone of genius is and uh, get that stuff, you know, get the system streamlined so that it operates almost without you tinkering with it all the time. We, when we started the business, it's been our constant um, plan was to have like a bigger team yeah. just so we could be at two places at one time. And it's been mm -hmm. working really well, but oh, you still have those hiccups and there's still, it's the, the falls are harder. Oh yeah. As opposed to when you're, when you're by yourself. But I feel like, yeah, delegation is the one thing that, me and my wife have learned when it yeah. comes to running a business. A lot of business owners make the mistake of not hiring and not delegating because they feel like they're not ready because it's going to slow them down first, you know, to, you know, I got to train people. I got to show them the ropes. I got to, whatever. The fact of it is you're never going to move past the, the roadblocks until you hire those people. And oftentimes once you do, you know, yes, you slow down first to speed up, but then you find yourself speeding up in a way that you never even imagined was possible. So, uh, yeah, another another pointer for business owners is uh, don't be afraid to to you know, be careful and mindful about it, but but don't be afraid to to grow your team by hiring some back end support, whatever it is you need, so you're not responsible for getting everything done. So w when it comes to hiring, uh, this uh, I'm going to go a little bit off track, yeah. but when it comes to hiring, I, I feel like the the one thing we've discovered was. It's so hard to look for the perfect person to work for you. And not everyone is going to be an A player. Some's going to be a B player or C player. How do you feel about who to hire? Like what, how businesses should do that? Well, there's a couple things here. One is you do have to train people. You know, if you've developed good systems that, that make a lot of the processes and tasks that you get, have to get done a no-brainer. Just follow the checklist. Do what's told. Do what you're told. Follow the instructions. Um, you don't have to have all A players on your team. Obviously, you want people who care about their work and are going to do their best. But you don't have to have. Uh, it doesn't have to be a team of all stars. Let's face it. Um, the stars on a team need support from from uh, utility players. Let's call them right. So, same thing goes in a business. The other thing is uh, there's a principle in hiring and. and and, and managing employees is, is hire slowly and fire fast. So you be careful about hiring, but then um, uh, if someone's not working, get rid of them. Now, 
there's a flip side to that, and that is, well, you know, hire somebody, train them, and then expect that they're going to make some mistakes. And those mistakes are part of their training because let's face it, when someone makes a mistake and um, and you you call them in and you say, hey, this is this is what happened. It was a mistake. Da 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 da. They may expect to get fired, but when you keep them on, you say, look, I've just invested the cost of this mistake in your training. Stick around, and I know it's not going to happen again. Then, of course, the implication is if it does continue to happen, then you fire fast. So it's a balancing act. You have to you have to choose choose people carefully and and uh, don't keep people on the team that are uh, a waste of time, energy, money, and resources. But um, you do have to invest. Okay, thank you. <laughs> so the the thing is, my my main concern is the wedding industry is a really small group, even though there's like so much work around here. It's still a tight-knit group that you can't be... I don't know. It, 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 I just feel like everyone knows each other. And, oh. you know, when you fire people, it just... Sometimes they don't go into the wedding industry anymore. Some of them stay. And, yeah. it, you know, that's just a little tricky for me. But, yeah, it, well, it... I think it depends on the level of people that you're that you're hiring. You know, if you're hiring an office assistant, it doesn't matter whether they're good in the, in the industry. Um, doesn't, and, you know, the fact of it is they're... They're an office person. If you're hiring a videographer or, um, you know, or maybe an editor or something like that, yeah, you, you definitely want to hire more thoughtfully so that you know that you're getting somebody who's going to be on the team and be able to manage and things. But, you know, you're also training your competition because these people don't stick around forever and they go out on their own eventually. So, you know, you have to accept that. It's part of the, part of the territory. And look, there, as long as you go in with the mindset that there's enough out there in the ocean, enough fish in the sea for everybody, you're going to be fine. I always I always uh, have this idea that everyone that goes through the company is we're training people to be leaders. So yep. whenever they leave, we're like, the best of luck to you. Or whenever we part ways and we feel like it's it's going to be better for them, then yeah, we, we always yeah. try to support people, which is, yeah, it's hard to do, but you know, you always try to wish, wish them the best and make sure it's from the heart. <laughs> Right. So, okay. Now that we got that out of the way, that people know what the mistakes are, let's. I really wanted to talk to you about this because we, I've, I've just like what you said earlier. I, I got this email a year ago, <laughs> and um, I really wanted to attend this webinar, but I couldn't. So I know that you're going going to relaunch it, but yeah. if we could get into it a little bit. Let's talk about the seven success strategies of top performers in the creative business. But before we get into that, I just want to thank you for being a loyal listener. You don't know how much it means to me that you're listening right now and I can share with you something that I'm passionate about. If you enjoy the content that I'm bringing every week, I just want to remind you that the Wedding Video Boss podcast also has a Patreon page where you can pledge as low as $1 to show your support and keep the show going. There's different tiers which gives you different perks like transcripts of all the episodes. This is for those who don't have time to listen for an hour. A Facebook community to share and give business advice for photographers and videographers. Also, extra episodes just for the hardcore fans. Just go to www.patreon.com that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash weddingvideoboss or click on the link in the show notes. Thanks for your support. Now let's get back to whatever we were talking about. 
Well, as you said, I, the, the last time I did this uh, uh, webinar was, I think, August of, no, it was a little later than that, sub- September of, of uh, 2018. Not so too it's bad. Been a while. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, so the, it's a webinar program that I, that I created called Seven Success Strategies of Top Performing Creative Business People. And you're putting me a little on the spot because I haven't looked at the content of that webinar in you know, all these months. Um, but the, you know, the basic is, things that you need to remember is having a vision and, and a clarity about who you are and why you're going where you're going. Um, and, uh, and then, yeah, that, that mindfulness and gratitude, the things we've already talked about today, these are all some of the strategies. Um, getting good help, you know, getting coaching if you need coaching, if you need um, uh, a personal, you know, look, let's face it, if you're going to uh, go to the Olympics, you're going to have a coach and a personal trainer. And the same should be true in any uh, venture that you go into. You, you put in the, the time and the effort, but having outsiders helping you is not something to be uh, timid about. Uh, all the, the biggest successes, you know, look, you think about sports uh, athletes, right? The successful ones, they have great coaches that they work with and they work on it every day. They practice, 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 practice. Those are the kinds of success strategies. And again, I'm not remembering <laughs> the whole webinar in, in its order, but those are the kinds of things I, I advocate. And it, it's all part of getting to the point where you are operating at peak effectiveness. So now I want to ask you, since, you know, ever since social media started to get into the main, like social media now is the main avenue for advertising. Like there's no, the magazines don't work anymore. I feel, I feel like that's what it is. It's the magazines don't work anymore. Blogs don't have as much impact if they're not on social media. So how do you feel about businesses who are skipping social media? Like the, the what how do you feel about that when they're like trying to just stick to what they have right now? Well, I think that uh there are some businesses where social media just isn't the right tool for reaching your audience. If you are uh, you know, a, a doctor who specializes in geriatrics and old people who, you know, may not use the, the internet and, and even that is changing. But, you know, if your ideal client is in their 80s, <laughs> you know, they aren't thinking about what to tweet and, and how to use Instagram and, and reading Facebook. They may still be going to the internet and using blogs and, and you know, Google searches and, and seeing ads in other, other areas. But, uh, you know, I think otherwise, if you're, if you're, if you're looking for a, a youngish audience of people, you know, um, uh, teens through their you know thirties and forties at least, I think social media. If you're not using it, you're leaving money on the table. You're you're missing out on the biggest opportunity. It's like, uh, well, in in previous days, as you said, you'd advertise in magazines and newspapers and um, and yellow pages and those kinds of things. And if you weren't advertising there, then you were leaving money on the table as well. You were not investing in the, the things you need to do to grow your business. So nowadays, I think, uh, um, you know, targeted social media. And the, one of the great things about advertising on social media uh, and also just using social media organically is you can really target your audience. The interest in the stuff you talk about will, you know, will define your audience. And then you, when you hit them with a marketing message, um, you know it's going to people who care. You know, if you advertise on television, you're, uh, you're, you're sending your message to millions and millions of people, a very small fraction of whom might be interested in what you're selling. When you're talking to your social media audience of followers and building that 
following based on giving them good stuff uh, that they're interested in. You're talking about mostly people who care about what you're doing, and it's just a it's a different game. So, I so, definitely encourage. Okay, I I feel like I just realized this that the, the hardest part about being in business and getting into social media is there's so many out there, and just it's so so hard to stand out. And I don't know if you have any advice for people who would want to stand out to. What what should they do to be able to stand out? You know, it's a great question. First of all, uh, well, yeah, I mean, I think you definitely have to stand out. And one way to stand out is to be a little controversial, be a little different from everybody else in your market. But also, I think narrowing and, and, and defining your market really narrowly. So if, you, if you're great at certain kinds of weddings or certain kinds of events, then say so and own it, you know. You don't want to be the wedding videographer for every wedding everywhere. You want to be the one who specializes in same-sex marriages of people in their 80s, you know, <laughs> whatever it is. <laughs> you know, being that narrow allows you to really own a market space, a, a segment of market, and be the big fish in a very small pond. So you're essentially defining the size of your pond first, and then owning it and being a big fish. And you know, you can you can have multiple ponds that you market in uh, to torture this metaphor a little further, and and uh, you know just just again be a little controversial, a little different, shocking, whatever it is, uh, and get attention that way. But also, you know, um, uh, paid advertising, targeted marketing in that area allows you. You know, look, if you know that you can spend a certain number of dollars in order to get a client and still remain profitable then spend those dollars as much as possible and get as many clients, you know. So you can, you can get attention by standing out or you can get attention by spending. And both of them are viable strategies. As long as you focus, right? So, uh, yeah, I think, yeah. I mean, right. If, when, you, when you're advertising, you've got to target exactly who you want. You know, let's face it. If you're, if you're in the wedding business, um, there, there are two classes of weddings, right? There are first weddings where the people are probably in their 20s mostly. And there are uh, second or later in life weddings where the people are probably in their mid 30s and up. So you can target those two markets separately with different kinds of messages because let's face it, 18 year old girl and her 21 year old boyfriend who's, you know, just joined the military. And, and that may be another thing to think about is really identifying the demographics of who you want to work with. Um, you, you know, they're interested in a very different set of things other they they want it to be beautiful and they want a really high quality video and all that but they also want to have a great fun time with the wedding and their friends and really showcase the party you know th those kinds of things whereas uh maybe an older couple might be more interested in in really showcasing the depth and strength of the love between them and and maybe the blending of families and those kinds of things and so you know a, a videographer who who promotes their business uh or anybody in the wedding business who sort of is good at incorporating those elements can market that to them and so different messages okay so you're saying um focus on one area but you could do that um separately like uh, i'm sorry so you, you, you're saying focus on one niche but you could do multiple is that what you're saying like you could just make sure the message is different well 
again, if you, you have to know what you're good at and what you really like doing. So if you like those younger couple weddings, which frankly, the budgets might be lower for the younger couple. Than the, oh, I don't know. You'd have to do yeah, your analysis. It's, it's usually b- lower. <laughs> yeah. So you've got a lower budget uh, for the wedding there. So, so you're going to do a different kind of service and a different level of, you know, of whatever, and uh, maybe fewer shots and, you know, whatever else it is. Um, if you figure out that that's where your sweet spot is, then, then focus on that. But if you, also do a great job with those blended family middle middle of life wedding uh, scenarios. Then it owe, you owe it to yourself to to market in that space too. You, like, again, you know, the the making of the video is not that different of a process, as long as you have the eye for it and the creativity to create the kind of thing that the customer wants. And is your in your business, you may have some guys that you that do great with the younger weddings and some that do better with the older weddings. And so knowing you know uh, how to how to fill both of their calendars <laughs> is is great so okay uh, yeah you can have multiple niches i guess but i'm saying don't try to market to everybody with everything because what will happen is nobody will hear you talking specifically to them the, the customer or the or the pro- the prospect needs to think you're speaking directly at them okay you have to be relatable is yep. what you're saying okay yep. that too yeah so Okay, I'm just trying to realize, I'm just trying to think of what we've been doing. And I think that what we've been doing is we just show all of our couples because I feel like we've attracted the the right the right clients for us. Mm-hmm. And we just show everyone because we have the same attitude as our the same character as our couples and it yeah. doesn't matter if there's if they're like a blended family or they're young. Yeah. Just, I, I'm just happy that all of our couples are the same. Right. Well, I, and, and that's, that's great. I'm, I'm, and I'm not saying you should necessarily not showcase the ones that don't fit right inside the box. But when you decide to run ads, you can, I'm just saying, run a different ad to the older crowd than to the younger crowd. If the, if the ad is, is promoting, um, uh, you know, I don't know, the party aspect of things or the, okay. uh, the youthfulness, and frankly, you're again, you're aiming for a, a different audience there. But then you can bring everybody back to the same homepage on the web, which is your sales page. You know, if you want a wedding, this you're going to get this, this, and this, or whatever it is. Um, uh, but you want to the ad, the purpose of the advertising is to catch their attention and and uh, say yes, this is the right lead for me to follow, the right avenue for me to go down. Okay, this is great. I love it. <laughs> so okay. Now let's go back to your program because I've I've always wondered, whenever people have programs or workshops like these, yeah. is what is the one thing that your program did to one of your clients that you didn't expect? Is there anything like that? Do you have a story about that? Uh, a couple uh, of them. One of them is uh, well, in a couple of different instances, I've had uh, clients of mine who I worked with in in the coaching and in the program who came in wanting to get a job or a better job or more jobs. And in a couple of these instances, what they ended up doing was making their own job, starting their own business or, or essentially owning that they are uh, able to have their own business and, and coming at their, their creative work. One's a magician, one is a, a screenwriter who then decided to produce some of her own material. Uh, and one is a, a podcaster actually who, uh, started her own podcast network once she figured out her niche and was able to find more people to fill that and you know built a business around it um 
so uh, yeah, taking people in a direction they didn't originally think they wanted to go. But then when we start exploring really, what's your purpose? What's your mission? Why are you doing this? Uh, then they start to look at it from a, you know, all, all angles and see, Oh, well, here's a, here's an opportunity that will give me a different kind of control over my life and let me have some flexibility and freedom and maybe be more fulfilling. So, um, you know, life isn't worth living if you're just doing it to make a paycheck so you can go home and sit and watch the tube. If it's not fulfilling, uh, there are other opportunities, other ways to make things happen. So, uh, yeah, I love to help people sort of realize their, their potential. And sometimes that's not what they think it is. Yeah, I love I love it when you like me. I don't do it professionally. Like whenever I give advice, I always tell tell them take it with a grain of salt. But then when you find out that it unlocks their potential, I I feel so happy instead of like, oh no, yeah, <laughs> you know, not. No, it's interesting. I don't give advice either. I, well, as a lawyer, I give advice. But when I'm doing my work with these clients in this personal effectiveness program, I I view my role as to hold up either mirrors. So that people see what they're what the outside world is seeing of them, or what they're supposed to see, or windows, opportunities, uh, and let them help help guide them, I guess. But but really, it's about let me let me get out of get you out of your own way, so you can choose make the, the choices that are going to take you in the direction that you need to go. And uh, if I'm telling you you should do this, well, first of all, people don't listen as well to to that as when they hear themselves say, "Oh, I should do that." It's a it's a different experience and it and they own it differently. Okay. Oh man, that's so good. Okay. <laughs> that's 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 great. Like holding up a mirror and opening windows. Showing showing yeah. them when the windows. Yeah, let's face it, it. Back to the athletics uh, metaphor. A coach will will show you how to do the exercise or how to how to change the thing or point out a a, a flaw in your golf swing, for example, something like that. But ultimately, it comes down to the athlete practicing the right way and so that all we do all we do as coaches is show you where there's an opportunity for improvement yeah so you're it, just unlocking unlocking the potential is, yeah it's up to the client or the customer to step up and do the work okay so my my question now for you is because we we're we've been trying to get into coaching as well or mentorship yeah. or something any whatever it is and i always think that oh man oh the our market that we think is gonna pay i don't think they they're gonna pay us what what do you think about that because i always have this thing where i don't think they're gonna pay us the the amount of money that we want to get paid for because we have like so much information that we have that we get to help them but i don't think they're gonna be able to is it just me because i'm a cheapskate or <laughs> <laughs> I think what's going on is that you are not yet connected with how, with the real value and how to communicate that value to the customers. And it may be that the market you have in mind isn't really the right market for, you know, let's face it, not everybody is ready to pay high ticket for something. Just like we said with, with wedding video, uh, not everybody wants the, the $20,000 wedding video package. Some people want the $1,000 <laughs> wedding video package. They're just, they're never going to see the value in the higher ticket item. Uh, and so you, you have to find ways to communicate that value. Um, and also, you know, look, let's face it, aim for the right people who are going to recognize and need or want that value. So, um, you know, but there's also what you're talking about is something uh, I think we called uh, 
if, if I'm hearing you correctly, a little bit of something called imposter syndrome, where it's like, who, well, who am I to, to be teaching this or whatever? That's something that you mainly get over by pushing through it and, and doing the work and getting the validation or the confirmation when people do buy your thing. So if you're not putting it out there as an offer, um, then I think you're doing a disservice to the people who need what you have to offer. And so I'd say, give it a shot, you know, pick a price, um, and, and, a and a program and a promise. What, what is it you're going to do for them? What will they get from the program? Uh, and, and stand in it and, and own the value that you're giving, you know, would, would somebody, uh, if, if I, if I could teach you how to, um, make a slot machine hit the jackpot every time you pull the lever. I'll pay value, you. Uh, right. I could set the <laughs> price at a hundred thousand bucks. Yeah. And you would see the value cause you know, a hundred pulls later you're ahead. Yeah. <laughs> right. So it's just a matter of, you know, making sure people understand the, the total value of what you're offering. And okay. you have to understand it first. Yeah. So, uh, cause I was listening to a podcast this morning after my meditation mm. <laughs> and she was talking about uh, coaching. You should look at coaching or mentorship as like a luxury because it is a luxury. Like you, I, I don't know. So yeah, let me know what you think. Like it is a she, she's saying it's a luxury that, you know, you, not everyone can afford someone to remind them that, hey, you need to do this today or whatever. I, I understand the, the principle there. Uh, I think that we should look at it as an essential that few people avail themselves of. And once you do, you, you, and you experience, assuming it's good coaching and you get good value from it, you never want to go back. You, you never want to stop having coaching because, uh, you know, because it gets you results. And once you have results, then you can afford it. It's one of those chicken and egg scenarios where sometimes you have to make the investment, even though you know the return is a, is a ways down the road. Because ultimately that return is going to be worthwhile. So as a salesman, as a, as a marketer, you have to be able to convey the value and the opportunity that that, that later return will bring if you make the investment now. Okay, that's great. Oh, man. Okay, that makes a lot of sense because I wish I, wish I had, um, when, when we started out here in Orange County, there's like like three videographers and now yeah. there's like 15,000 or something, but I well, wish when I, got an iPhone. yeah. <laughs> so I wish when we started out, I wish I had a mentor that I could just pay and, mm -hmm. you know, just, Hey, save me eight, seven, eight years of trying to figure out what you need to do. And I, I wish we had that to be yeah. honest, I'd pay you top dollar for that. But here we are. And now I feel like I have so much information that I could give to people that, we're ready. It's just like, yeah. you're right. It's like an imposter syndrome. Like, are we, are we, uh, you know, are we hitting all the requirements of people when, whenever they're going to pay us? So yeah, I feel like we are ready for that. Yeah. And you know, look, and, and there are different kinds of, of levels of service that you can provide or levels of, of content that you can provide to somebody. Uh, coaching might be sort of high up on the, on the pyramid of, you know, people pay more for coaches. Um, but uh, there may be, you know, you, maybe you build a course or you write a book or you create, you know, just a, a blog or, or a podcast to teach people more about how to do.
do the basics so that they can take themselves up to the level where they can afford the next thing on your on your uh, offering. You, know, you, you start with the well-level liquor and you build yourself up to top shelf. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as long as you drink. Terrible metaphor. <laughs> no, don't drink. <laughs> okay. So now I want to ask you, um, for people who... Because, you know, wedding the wedding industry, we're all small businesses. Mm -hmm. and s most of the people are doing this freelance and, you know, they, they have a day job and they work on the weekends. What's the best advice you could give to someone who is 50-50 on going all in on the business, like full-time? Great question. Hard question. Um, as somebody who's 50-50 in, in the coaching and product space, as well as my law practice, you know, I recognize how hard it is to give up a, uh, a steady paying, earning, you know, an income uh, for something that's sort of more speculative. But you, you eventually you have to decide, okay, I trust myself. I know I'm, I'm able to make a go of this business. And uh, yeah, you sort of have to take that leap. Um, they say leap and the net will appear. Uh, that said, if you're still in a growing building learning phase and you haven't developed systems and, and processes that make it sort of automatic so you can be the, the person who works on the business that we talked about before, uh, maybe you're not quite ready to, to make the leap. Uh, the stability of having that paycheck could be, you know, what you need just to sort of be able to confidently grow the business slowly at its own pace. What I'll say is that it doesn't always have to be a an all or nothing leap into no job at all um depending on your work of course you might be able to switch to a four day a work uh, a week 10 hour schedule or maybe just four days of eight hours you know so you reduce your your workload and open up some time another day of the week for your other business and you sort of gradually move into it you, it, uh, you know be flexible be creative about how you do things maybe the other thing is you work half days so you go down to a part-time job and, and then focus on your other business on, on a more intensive level. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be all or nothing and it doesn't have to look if, if, if you're, if you're not deciding that's a decision as well. You know, if you're just hanging out doing both because, well, it's easy and it, I don't have to, I don't have to pull my hair out deciding whether to quit, then you've decided not to decide and you just have to get to a point where you're ready to make that commitment. You know, owning your own business is very challenging. Let's be honest about it. But also, it's also extraordinarily rewarding. You're in control of your destiny and you're building something that you can either sell or hand off to your children or uh, that can bring you a passive income when you're ready to retire. If you still own the business, you just put employees in to do the work. You got profits coming in. So um, there's a lot of value to that. And better to, better to be the owner than the, than the worker bee. In my, in my view. Okay. High risk, high reward, right? Yeah, definitely. So for those who are still in limbo, not going all full time, yep. what, cause you know, having a business, you got, you have to go all, all, go through all these legal stuff. If you don't have a business and you're running a business, how do they stay? Just like a brief, since this <coughs> is your forte, yeah. what, what advice can you give them to stay legal and safe protected okay well the good news is you don't have to start a corporation or a limited liability company or anything like that 
Uh, the one thing is if you're working with other co-owners, then you do, you, you, you automatically have formed a partnership. And so there may be reasons why it's better to have the limited liability company or corporation um, just so that you have clarity about who owns what and how you divide things and those kinds of things. But to be an, a solo business owner, you don't have to form an entity. You don't have to do anything. It's a good idea to open a bank account for the business so you keep your personal and your business uh, things separate and uh, you run all your expenses through the business account so that it's easy to, to track and, and so on. But really, you know, lots of people own their own businesses and don't ever form a corporation or an LLC. Now, in, in businesses where you're going out to other people's locations and performing a service and entering into contracts with people and all those kinds of things, there, are, there may be good reason why you want to get some insurance because if you get sued... You don't want your, your house, your car, your personal assets to be exposed to liability. Now, forming an LLC or a corporation is another way of, of setting up a, a, a barrier or a wall between your personal and your business stuff. Um, and so it is a good idea, but make sure your business is, is generating some revenue before you do that because there's an expense associated with starting the company and there's the annual operating expense, not to mention taxes. That the company pays here in California, every company pays a minimum of eight hundred dollars in uh, annual franchise tax, and so if you're not generating a reasonable profit beyond those eight hundred bucks, don't do it yet. You know, um, you, you gotta you gotta make judgment calls about this. But insurance can substitute for the shield of the LLC at least for a while. Um, the other advantages to the LLC is you can bring in outside capital if you need an investor. You have a little street credibility with an LLC and you can manage the capital and ownership and management structure of the business mm -hmm. inside the, the operating agreement or the bylaws of the company, which uh, when you're a solo, yeah, it's, it's a little harder to be focused on the business when you, when you don't separate things very much. So, okay. But the good news is you don't have to do any of it right up front. You can start up and, and uh, fly by the seat of your pants for a little while. It's not the best advice I, I, that I, you, know, you could get because there is some risk and, and exposure in the video production business. You have general liability risk. You know, people could trip over your tripod or your cables or, or your cases that are hidden, you know, whatever. And somebody breaks their nose and, you know, now they've, now you've got a problem. Uh, but also you have the content related liability. You might, um, you might use a piece of music that you didn't have permission to, or, or show a, a photo or, or, a, <clears throat> I don't know, um, capture somebody in, in a, a moment that they would not be proud to have uh, uh, visible to all their friends and family. And then you get into privacy questions, things like that. So having um, a game plan and some insurance to protect you when that person makes a claim is another kind of thing that you want to think about. It's called errors and omissions insurance. Okay. That's, the, that's my fear every day, hitting someone with, uh, on a head with a tripod and getting sued for music licensing issues. Right. <laughs> But I'm glad that that was my last question for you because it. Oh. I feel like it's just exactly what people need to hear because I've never I've never thought of asking people that like you know because not everyone's like a full on business and I love yeah. that the the way you answered it. Okay. So for now I since we I've that was my last question. I any last words for people who are listening and watching right now. Now, one thing I would like to say to anybody who, who is you know, getting into a business, and let's face it, if you are expecting to be paid for work that you do, that's business, whether you think of it as a business or not. So what I want to say is 
get your ducks in a row. Think about it like a business and at least make some decisions about whether to form a company, whether to get insurance, whether and how to hire employees and make sure if you're hiring employees, you've got a, a whole other slate of legal issues that you have to think about. So you want to work with a payroll company and make sure you're doing it by the numbers there as much as possible. Um, and, and use good contracts. One of the things I, I, uh, I hate to hear is someone calls me up on the phone and says, I have a problem. I say, well, what does the contract say? Oh, we didn't have a contract. It was a handshake deal. Oh my gosh. It's a nightmare scenario, right? Yeah. And if you're, if you're doing, if you're serious about what you're doing, you use a contract, even if it's just an email that says, here's what I will do. And the payment will be this. Do you agree? When they reply, reply back, you've, you've got a contract, not the best one, but it, it'll do the job. So taking a business like approach to business is something that creative and artist uh, type people have a hard time doing. And it's the most important thing they can do. Taking a business approach to business. That's great. Oh my gosh. So, okay. Now um, I would love it if you t tell the listeners and the viewers how they can reach you and if you have anything coming up right now. Okay. So um, <clears throat> let me start over. <clears throat> Well, it's Gordon Firemark, F-I-R-E-M-A-R-K.com will take you to my law practice webpage. That's mainly the entertainment and media law end of things. And GordonFiremark.com is where I house everything else that I do. And uh, if you're interested in this uh, seven strategies of successful creative people uh, webinar, I will be doing that again very shortly. And you can sign up for a waiting list to be notified about that if you head over to Uh, gordonfiremark.com slash the number seven success strategies, all one word, seven success strategies. That will get you onto the waiting list for, uh, for the webinar. And uh, uh, I hope you'll join me. The, the reason why people succeed in life is because they give more than what they take. And you are one of the per perfect examples of that. So thank you so much for obliging me for this interview. I'm a huge fan and I, the best of luck to you. Thank you, Paul. It's been a lot of fun, and I, I thank you for the kind words. Appreciate it. So you see, there's no real formula for success. But the thing is, once you study how successful people do it, it kind of becomes a formula because it's proven. And some say there's no steps, but there actually are. And I feel like you always have to jump through the hoops. There's no shortcut to success. So... If you're trying to be an influencer, make sure you influence first before you look like one. So, I really hope that you picked up something from this interview. If you have any questions, feel free to hit me up. I'll ask Gordon himself. He could probably answer you. And I'll email you, DM me, go to my Instagram page at WeddingVideoBoss. Or you could email me at WeddingVideoBoss at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. To those who gave me a review, thank you. Thanks for rating. I hope to see you on the next episode of the Wedding Video Boss Podcast. Till then, play nice if you can't win. Be nice, especially if you're good looking. B -b 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 Boss man out. Especially if you're good looking. B -b 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 Boss man out.